very excited about getting him where we got him. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. Play clock is down to one. McCown gets it off. He's throwing long on the near side for Anderson. He's got him into the open field. Touchdown, Jets! And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we have two guests. We are going to be joined by Chase Stewart of Football Perspective to get his perspective on the Jets trade up from number six to number three, uh, a slightly more critical view of the trade. And then we are going to be joined by Matt Miller of Bleacher Report to also talk about the Jets trade up. And he has a slightly more positive view on the trade. So you're going to get both perspectives here. I'm going to let each of these guys make their case, and then you guys can decide for yourself. Uh, as you know, and as I've written about, I am pretty bullish on the trade. I'm happy with it. Uh, I wrote about that at length this week on the website. Uh, so definitely check that article out and also check out our emergency podcast from Saturday where I talk about it a little further at length. But ultimately, I believe the Jets need to shoot their shot at the quarterback position. And I am of the belief that there are three top-tier quarterbacks in this class, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and Baker Mayfield. And this trade guarantees the Jets will get one of the three of them. That being said, there is still a very real reality the Jets might take Josh Allen, which I would strongly disagree with. So it will be hard to fully evaluate this trade until we see the pick. The pick is made and how the quarterback is used and how this season goes. But as it stands now, I understand the Jets' decision to make the move, and uh, I'm in favor of it. So we're going to hear Chase's piece. He makes a very you know persuasive argument why he thinks the Jets paid too much, and then we're going to hear Matt's piece. Uh, before we dive into it, I want to remind you guys, this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to go to primesport.com slash turn on the Jets for all of their upcoming hospitality and ticket packages, including for things like March Madness, the NBA playoffs, and then once we get to schedule the upcoming NFL season. This podcast is also Brought to you by Razor Sport. That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. Make sure to check out Razorsport.com for the best betting advice and consulting heading into the Sweet 16, heading into the NBA playoffs, and all of the other sports betting that is out there. Check out their members club to sign up for all of the tips in real time. Give them a follow on Twitter at Razor Sport Club. As always, make sure to support our friends of the pod, Prime Sport at primesport.com slash turn on the Jets and Razor Sport, R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T dot com. All right, let's jump into our first interview with Chase. Okay, and now we are joined by our first guest of the week, Chase Stewart from Football Perspective, one of our favorite follows on Twitter, a uh, longtime friend of the site, someone I regularly retweet and share their work for. Uh, Chase, first time on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I'm a big fan as well. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to hopefully a much better 2018 than 2017 for the Jets. God willing, that would be nice. This playoff drought has been quite exhausting at this point. So after this trade went down on Saturday, Jets trade three second-round picks to move from number six to number three under the assumption that they were going to target a franchise quarterback. I think the general reaction to this trade from national media and probably even local media, has been relatively split. I think I've seen a good amount of praise for it and a good amount of you know criticism or questioning of the thought process behind it. Uh, I think you've came down a little bit more on the critical side of the trade. So at a high level, what 
is problematic to you about the logistics of this trade and the decision-making behind it? The first part is what they gave up. So second-round picks tend to be really valuable to most teams. I know maybe not to the Jets historically, but second-round picks have a lot of value. And for a team that has a lot of holes like the Jets, giving up three second-round picks really does put a dent in the ability to create a, a good roster around whichever quarterback they're drafting. So the first part is you're giving up three premium picks that are going to potentially form the base of a playoff contender over the next few years if they hadn't traded them. You know, if you look at this from the perspective of a Colts fan, you'd love this trade because going from three to six isn't that big of a deal and you're getting three second round picks, that's huge. So I've come up with my own draft value chart that will look that looks at the actual production of draft picks over time and second round picks are valuable and having three of them is really valuable and from a evaluation perspective, giving up three second-round picks plus the sixth pick is, is worth almost twice as much as the third pick in a traditional draft. So from from a starting point, they gave up a lot. And then the, the next part is, what did they give it up for? And if there is a franchise quarterback that you're drafting, sure, that's worth it. If you're giving up three picks, plus don't forget they are, you know, quote-unquote, giving up the sixth pick because they're using that pick to trade up. If you're going to give that up, for a small chance at a franchise quarterback, that's a much different story. And if you're taking the third quarterback in the draft, the odds are not great that that person's actually going to turn into a franchise quarterback. First-round quarterbacks in general, once you look past the number one overall pick, the Peyton Mannings of the world, the Andrew Lux of the world, the, the hit rate in terms of being a real franchise quarterback, it's only about 20%. So giving up a lot for a chance at a franchise quarterback doesn't give me a lot of confidence, especially when I don't know if the, the Jets have the right supporting cast in place, either at management, coaching, or player level to really put this player in the best position to succeed. Based on your trade value chart, what would have been approximate value for what you would have been comfortable with the Jets giving up to move from six to three? Yeah, and that's a tricky question, right? Because I think there's there's not a, a right answer on what what's the appropriate number because the Colts need to be incentivized to, to make the same trade. And what what's an appropriate amount may be one second-round pick, but the Colts aren't going to do that. So you need to entice them to make a deal. So the, 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 I understand the idea of, look, you got to pay them anything, but I do think three second-round picks, really it's basically the same as next year's first-round pick in my opinion. And that's a lot to give up. You know, you got the premium opportunity to build the roster. I think if they had more, if I had more confidence in either the fact that they were going to get the best quarterback in the draft or that the Jets knew who they were drafting and they were extremely confident in this guy, I feel differently. But again, they're taking, uh, they're sending a lot for really no certainty and, and the idea that they're going to get one of the top three quarterbacks. That's not a, a focus plan that I can love. Now, look, obviously, I hope it works out. It's just my initial reaction was this was not a move that I thought was very smart. Do you think that the thinking, and it, this seems to be one of those years where there doesn't seem to be an absolute consensus slam dunk, slam dunk number one quarterback. Some people will tell you Darnold's number one. Some people will tell you Rosen. A smaller subsection of people might say Allen or Mayfield are number one. Those seem to kind of be the four guys considered in the mix, some people might think that Darnold, Rosen, and maybe Mayfield are all about the same level prospect. Do you think that 
in the Jets' mind, maybe their quarterback, they're confident that the quarterback that they have ranked number one is going to be there for them at number three. So maybe their thinking being that we like Josh Rosen as the best quarterback in the draft. We're confident that Cleveland's going to take Sam Darnold or Josh Allen and that the Giants are going to either pass on a quarterback or whoever would potentially swap out for them wouldn't take Rosen. Or do you feel there's just too no, many variables I, I, I don't think so. Uh, unless they were going to really surprise people and take somebody that – not one of the four names you mentioned. I mean, Mayfield, I think, is unlikely to go in the top two. But I think any of the other three are – there's a decent chance that they're the first or the second pick. So there can't be any confidence from the Jets' perspective that Donald, Rosen, or Allen will be there at three. They know one of them will be there, but it, it, it's pretty tough to have any sense of confidence which one will be there. How and, you- and, if, and if it's for Mayfield, that that's – you know, brings it to the question, did they really need to trade up from 6-3 to three to get Mayfield, and is that even a wise move? How do you feel, you know, we're heading into year four now of McCagnon and Bowles. Um, how do you feel about the body of work that they've put together heading into, through three-plus years, and how do you think it stacks up comparatively, you know, league-wide to what, you know, the other G- the production of other GMs or other front offices and coaches, have they been about league average or substantially below league average? I don't know if there's really an argument to make they've been above league average at this point. No, I think that the first year was great, and that wasn't above league average year. I think McCagnin hit on a lot of his moves and looked like a genius. But it's been underwhelming since then, and I'd say they have been below average. The, the draft process has been... You know, hard to really evaluate because it's still too early, but they've clearly botched the quarterback situation. There's really been no clear focus as to what the plan was. The Hackenberg pick never made a lot of sense, and the way they groomed him and coached him and used him made even less sense. And and the same thing with Petty, where they traded up to get him, and it didn't seem like that, that was going to work out, and it hasn't. I think the the drafting has just been mediocre to below average, and on free agency signing, hasn't been particularly impressive either. So I can't say I'm excited about them. And I think there's a the real concern I'd have is how much milk do you give them? And if you're going to fire them at the end of this year, the Jets could certainly go four and twelve. I'd say right now, three years after their arrival, the Jets are still in the bottom eight, bottom six in terms of talent in the league across the roster. So a bad season is certainly on the table. And if they just have a 4-12 and type year, where does that leave them? And then are you going to now have a new GM coming in with a quarterback who we may not have a lot of appreciation for? I'm not sure if you ever ran data on this, but I find myself strongly doubting the common refrain that you should draft a quarterback and he should sit on the bench for a year or two and that's going to benefit him if you have a strong bre- strong bridge or mentor quarterback, which Josh McCown has gotten this reputation for because he's a really good guy, even though there's no proof that he's ever successfully mentored an NFL quarterback into being successful. I tend to skew on the side that 
the guy is going to learn from playing, and my hope is that whoever the Jets take at three, he is playing this year. I don't. I hope he is not stored on the bench as a third stringer because I don't think he's magically going to improve from, you know, being the third string quarterback or sitting out for a year, a year and a half. What What do you think? I don't know. Again, if you've ran the numbers on it, but historically, where? How do you think the Jets will hoard, handle the rookie quarterback, and would you prefer to see him out there playing this year? Yeah, I would like to see him play. I think that there's less to be learned from being on on the sidelines. I think each quarterback is different. So if there's a particularly young guy, and I know Darnold is very young, if there's a particularly inexperienced quarterback, you know, it makes some sense to to make sure that he understands a lot of what being an NFL player means. There's a big change going from college to the pros without even playing, and so not overwhelming a guy like that makes sense. But that kind of logic applies more to, I think, a second or third round pick for the most part. You, you, if you're going to spend a premium top five pick on a player, you, you should be spending it on a player who's ready. And if that player isn't ready, they probably aren't worthy of a top five pick. So I think the, the traditional idea of letting a quarterback sit, it, it doesn't apply, especially in today's NFL, where we're seeing young quarterbacks come in and play well immediately as rookies. I think the other piece of it is their concern. If you've got a terrible supporting cast, a bad offensive line, are you going to crush the guy's psyche? I think that is, it's probably happened before, but I'd say it's hard to separate out as would that quarterback have failed if he sat on the bench for a year? He probably still would have. But as an overarching rule, I'd like to see the young quarterbacks play. But if there are reasons, the particular quarterback has, has reasons where you think it makes sense to sit him, I think you have to take a long-term view on these things, too. So I, I do see both sides to it. All right, final question before we let you go. As it stands today, who do you predict the Jets ultimately end up taking with this third pick, and what type of season do you think is this this team is going to have? I think we have a pretty you know, rough idea of what the roster is going to look like. They're going to draft a quarterback at three. They're going to have some you know, day three draft picks, and free agency is basically over. Maybe they make one or two minor uh, addition. So who do you think the pick is going to be and what type of season do you think they're heading into? I would probably assume as of today that Donald will go first overall. And I think that that'll leave Rosen going second overall. And my hunch is that the Jets are more interested in Allen than Mayfield. I agree. I don't think Mayfield is, is a guy that the Jets really love. I don't think they would have felt the urgency to trade up from six to three for him. So uh, my my suspicion is the top three includes Allen, and I think Allen would be the one who falls to three. And the Jets probably won't play him early on. Uh, the question becomes how long does McCown stay healthy? He's 39 years old, maybe not very long. I'm not sure if Bridgewater even makes the team. He may, he may not, but the, the contract now sounds like he's only got $500,000 guaranteed, so he could certainly be a roster cut if they want to make Allen the number two quarterback. So I would expect him to play this year regardless. It may not be till week eight, week 10. And I think how he performs will depend on what the, the rest of the offense is like. If there's a pretty good supporting cast by that point in the year, he might do okay. But, uh, you know, as of today, in late March, I'd probably say the Jets are going six and 10. <sighs> Sounds like another fun year to track this team. I, I Listen, I can't tell you I disagree at this point. I mean, I do think it's 
history would point more towards the Jets liking Allen over Mayfield, and I I still find it hard to believe that somebody will not pounce on Rosen with that second pick, whether it's the Giants or a team who trades up. And, man, I mean, that Josh Allen pick is a big swing from Mike McCagnon for a guy who's arguably the biggest project in this class. And can't say I'm overly optimistic about it. Certainly hope I'll be wrong if they take him, but I guess we will see how it plays out. Chase Stewart, thank you for taking the time for joining us. Everyone, you can check out Chase's work at Football Perspective. You could give him a follow at FBG Chase on Twitter. Chase, thank you for joining us, and I hope we can talk again for the season. Thank you. And just to make uh, clear for all the listeners out there, nobody's rooting harder for the Jets than me. So I may have some pessimistic expectations, but that doesn't mean I'm not crossing my fingers and hoping for the best. So let's hope that uh, I sound very wrong in six months. Amen, Chase. I feel the exact same way when I criticize the team. And we are back with our second guest this week, Matt Miller from the Bleacher Report, also hosts the Stick to Football podcast, has content all over the place right now, particularly with NFL Draft upcoming. Matt, thank you for joining us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So, Matt, at a high level, how surprised were you by the Jets' decision to this aggressively move up to the third overall pick? And what was your first reaction when you saw what the compensation was for it? You know, I wasn't surprised that they were going to move up. That was actually something that, uh, you know, we had talked about. You mentioned I, I host the Stick to Football podcast, and, and we do two shows a week and had talked about it on both shows. As soon as it was known that Kirk Cousins was not going to sign with the Jets, I mean, we – we didn't even speculate. We just said the Jets are going to have to trade up to get a quarterback. So we all knew it was, you know, it's not like one of those things where you're, you know, having an Adam Schefter moment and you're breaking the news that it's going to happen, but you know that it's going to happen just logically because of the needs of the team and, and the way they kind of set themselves up with that Sheldon Richardson trade last year. So I wasn't surprised by it. I was a little surprised by the timing, you know, because, you know, here we are in in mid-March and to see a trade happen, about five weeks out from the draft was a little bit of a surprise, but um, I also think that, and we can, we can definitely get more into this side of it. I think they actually had to do it now as opposed to waiting because it's only going to get more expensive to make that trade up. You had to worry about teams like Buffalo trying to jump up there as well. So if the Colts are letting it be known and they were at the combine, if they're saying, Hey, this picks for sale, somebody come get it. I think the jets were smart to jump on that. Should Jet fans still be concerned that a team like, I don't know, Buffalo, Miami, Arizona could still leapfrog them to the second pick? As we know, the Giants might not be 100% sold on taking a quarterback with that spot. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I, I think that other than just missing on the pick, that's probably the thing that Jets fans should be most worried about is that, okay, now you're to this point. There are five weeks and everyone in the world knows you're going to draft a quarterback. So whether it's the Bills or Broncos or, uh, you know, a wild card team like uh, the, the Cardinals or, or Dolphins or someone, everyone knows what you're doing. So you, you really, I think the Jets have to go into this with, with two different mindsets. Number one saying, okay, we like three quarterbacks in this draft. So if it comes down to it, you know, if it goes, if Sam Darnold and Josh Allen are off the board, they're really comfortable with Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield. And I, I think then vice versa, they also have to trust their connections well enough to say that they probably feel pretty good about the fact that the Giants are not going to take a quarterback. And in that situation, you know, they're going to be, the Jets are going to be faced with, they can now get the number two passer in this draft, whomever they feel like that might be. 
counter the argument that the Jets paid 198 cents on the dollar to move up and get this pick and that they gave up far too much by giving up two of their second round picks this year and their second round pick next year. Yeah, I've been doing this job long, a long, long time. I'm an old man in this industry now, and I think that value is a fluid thing. It's like buying a house where I live in Missouri versus buying a house where you guys live in, in Manhattan. The cost is just different. And when you're trying to go up to get a quarterback, it's going to cost a lot more than if you're trying to trade up for a running back or a, an edge rusher or a corner, especially when you're doing it this early and everyone knows why you're coming up. And did the Jets back themselves into a corner? I, I know some people on Twitter have said that. I don't think they have. I think they had a very good, aggressive plan to get Kirk Cousins. And when that fell through, they had a really good plan B that was also aggressive to go get one of these premier picks so that they can get a quarterback. So I think it's way too early to say they overpaid. I know some people will quote the draft value chart. I think that thing's outdated. I also think it just doesn't apply to these drafts when you're going to get a quarterback like the Jets and everybody else is trying to do right now. How far is the gap between QB1 and, let's say, QB4 in this class? Is there a, is there a different tiers, or is there a major drop-off from the guy who's most likely to go number one, Sam Darnold, to who the second, third, and fourth quarterback uh, to be drafted are, which in most people's perspective is going to be, in some order, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, and Josh Allen. How tightly bunched together are those four? For me, they're incredibly tightly bunched together. And people uh, have asked me about this on Twitter, and I, I answer truthfully. I have them ranked so closely together that there's I have Darnold as a, on my grading scale a 7.20, Allen as a 7.15, Rosen's a 7.15, and Baker's a 7.10. And that's not normal. I mean, my, my rankings are public. People can go back and look at where I've had people in the past. It's not normal to have everyone so tightly packed together. I think it speaks in some ways to the, you know, the, the strengths and weaknesses of this year's quarterbacks class in that there are guys with some really, really special gifts. And then there, but they each have something that should terrify people. You know, with Darnold, it's that the turnovers with Rosen, it's the injuries with Allen, it's, you know, accuracy and mechanics with Baker, it's size and probably a little personality related. So they all do have a lot of strengths, but they also all have some weaknesses to where you could easily talk yourself in or out of each one of those guys. Most people are, are looking at Mike McCadden's history, looking at the type of quarterbacks he's been involved with drafting, and looking at some of the prolonged interest the Jets have had in Josh Allen, and have said that if the Jets don't get Rosen, Allen will 100% be their guy over Baker Mayfield. Do you think... It is that concrete, or do you think people are reading a little too much into McCagnan's history? And as this front office and coaching staff has evolved a little bit, they may make a decision to go with uh, a Mayfield instead of Allen, despite in the past the Jets sort of going towards, or McCagnan sort of going towards these more sort of pocket passers with prototypical size and a big arm. Well, I don't think it's wrong to speculate that Mike McCagnan will be the guy making the pick, right? But I do think smart fans will understand that there was a, a little bit of a structure change, at least on paper, in your guys' front office recently with uh, Brian Brian Heimerdinger getting a promotion. I also think that some of the things that came out with their recruitment of Kirk Cousins, we can assume that Jeremy Bates is going to have a pretty big role in the quarterback evaluation process, as he should. You know, he's a well-respected mind, and hell, it's his offense. So you, you would think that he would have a little bit of say in, in who's going to be running it. So. I would, I would think that 
and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say that because the Hackenberg picks failed that McCagnan has lost the ability to pick quarterbacks. He definitely has, and he's, he's a GM, and he just got an extension. But I would say it's probably going to be more of a, a group and more of a collective effort this time around. And, and I think that's just smart leadership, too. You know, if something doesn't work, and that pick clearly didn't work, and the Bryce Petty pick before that didn't work, I think it's smart to say, okay, well, I tried this and didn't get it right. Let's, let's try it together and see what we can come up with. What do you think of the Jets' decision to sign not only Josh McCown, but also Teddy Bridgewater? And how do you see the process playing out in terms of playing time with the three quarterbacks that are going to go into camp with this year? And do you think it would change depending on the guy they end up taking? So basically, do you think there would be a different development plan between Rosen, Allen, or Mayfield, assuming those are the three guys who they could potentially end up with at number three? Yeah, it's funny to me. I, I actually said this to, to Connor on our podcast the other day was that I feel like the Jets can never do anything right by the media. You know, like they, the, no matter what they do, it's going to get criticized. If they'd signed Cousins, it would have been, oh, they paid too much. But now they go to this plan B where you get a, a veteran who had a, a very good year last year and more importantly is an incredibly valuable mentor and someone who is going to be able to help not only Teddy, but whomever they draft at three and then whatever remains of Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg, I think it's just smart to have Josh along for that ride and for that process. With Teddy, talk about the ultimate low-risk, high-reward move. I mean, here's a guy that, they're, you know, he might not even be on the opening roster, and you've paid nothing for an extended look at a guy that was a first-round pick, took a team to the playoffs, uh, albeit, you know, on a, a defensive-heavy roster. But I, I think it's really smart to at least bring him in and, and be – the only team other than Minnesota who's going to get an extended look at him to see where he's at, where the knee is. And maybe you strike gold in someone like Teddy where he maybe he plays really well in, in 2018 while you have a Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen on the bench developing, learning the system, and, and maybe you've got a great trade piece at the end of the year. You know, Kind of like everybody's talking about right now with Nick Foles and everything that he could be traded for. I, I don't. I don't see why a healthy Teddy Bridgewater, if he played at the level he did before, wouldn't be considered in that same situation as a guy that, that you know, maybe uh, if healthy could be a really nice bargaining chip down the road. All right, final question before we let you go. As it stands right now, what would your, be predi- what would your prediction be for how the top three picks play out in the 2018 NFL draft? Man, I tell you, I think the first two are easy. I think it's Sam Darnold, and then I think it's Saquon Barkley. You guys are the ones that are going to keep it exciting and, and maybe throw a wrench and everything. If I, had to, if I had to guess right now, I would lean toward Josh Allen just because I know they have done a ton of work on him. You know, I reported back in like January that no team had done more work on Josh Allen this year. And that was from people at Wyoming, you know, telling me that the Jets almost lived there during the season, you know, were camped out at times. So all that just kind of points me in the direction of, if I had to guess right now, and it, it is definitely a guess because they've locked that front office down as far as leaks go, but, but I, I, that's the direction I would lean. Of course, you know, they're going to work out Rosen. They're going to work out Baker. They were at Sam Darnold's pro day. So there's still time for things to change, but that's the way it, it feels to me right now.